Hello, everyone, and welcome back to This Is Us Portland, a community conversation. I am Mary Pond. I'm the administrator of Portland Youth and Senior Services. I have with me today our very special guest, John Lally. He is an APRN and the executive director of Today I Matter. Welcome, John. And I'm going to have you start by just to ex explaining to us about Today I Matter. And I understand it matters a lot to you. So why don't we talk about Today I Matter and, and the development of that and where we're going from there. Thank you. I'd love to. Um, we, Today I Matter is a nonprofit organization that my family started uh, about four, a little over four years ago now um, in honor of my son, Tim. That's how we came up with the name using the TIM mm -hmm. back then. Uh, Tim died from a heroin overdose in January of 2016. Um, and he had struggled for quite a while with substance use disorder. And long prior to that with depression and severe anxiety with panic attacks. Um, so um, after his passing, we, we as a family came together and felt we needed to try to do something um, positive, to make something positive come from his struggle um, and, and his death. And um, we looked on our experience. I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I've been working in mental health and addictions fields for over 37 years now. Um, and so I have certainly the professional experience. And then to top that off, I have the personal experience of dealing with my son's uh, history of addiction and mental illness and ultimate overdose death. Um, so again, um, putting that together, we decided how could we make the best use of our time and, and his honor. Um, and uh, we know one thing, when Tim was in treatment for his substance use disorder, he was always trying to drive people to 12-step meetings and, and encourage other people to get into treatment. He wanted really uh, badly to, to overcome his addiction, and he tried many times. Um, so in keeping with that vein, with how can we help other people who are struggling? Um, so we came up with our organization, and our primary mission of Today I Matter is to work hard to reduce the shame and the stigma of both mental illness and addiction. We know that's probably the biggest barrier to people getting help and support is the shame, um, the prejudice, the blaming, um, that, that the, the uh, again, it's the stigma that we get from around us and from ourselves at times. Um, it keeps people suffering in silence and afraid to talk about their problems. Um, so we work hard to put this out in the open to say it's okay to talk about everyone's struggles. We want people to talk openly so they can get the help and support. So the ways we do this in my organization are many things. One, like I'm doing here with you today, Mary, uh, we do a lot of public speaking um, for different towns. I've spoken at the Yukon Medical School to medical students. We've done everywhere, churches, Boy Scout organizations, anybody that will listen to us about the, uh, the problems that we're facing with addiction which we know now are, are, are the problem of addiction is deadlier than ever in history. We're losing more people this year. We're going to lose more people in Connecticut than ever through overdose. I want to just address one of the things that, you know, you basically have said what, what your credentials are and the field that you've worked in for so many years and the pressure of your family, from your family to, to look at this incident and as much knowledge that you have, sometimes it's not 
I, I don't want to say it's not enough, but it's something that you have to look at and say, again, you made the decision to turn this into a positive after the death of your son. Mm -hmm. And that must have been a very hard, hard decision to make and being a professional and being in the field. And people, one of the things that the stigma certainly is important to address because a lot of people don't want to address that they have a problem themselves and to get past that and to admit it to others is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. So I think leading into just going back to a few of those things and, and go forward now with what you're talking about, what your organization wants to do. Because our community is, people don't want to know that it's in their community, but I can tell you from the standpoint of being in this community, living in this community all my life and being involved in the job that I'm doing, it is in our community. And it's something that we are trying to address on a continued basis. So please continue. Thank you very much. It's, it's in every community. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also one of the factors that we talk about. Um, besides my public speaking and education, we have a project that we call our Memorial Poster Project. We now have uh, 380 something two by three foot posters, mm -hmm. which are pictures of individuals who have died from substance use disorder. Um, right now, our project, we have people from 37 states around the country. And we travel around doing exhibitions of this memorial, um, which you can imagine, if, if you can imagine, is extremely moving to see all these giant photos looking into their beautiful faces mm -hmm. of the people that we've lost. And the, the message that we put out there with this memorial, well, it's, it's multi-pronged. One message is certainly to remember these wonderful people, um, so they will not be forgotten. Um, but we also remember them in a positive way. And each of the posters we we, talk, we have their first name in the town they came from. And then two traits of this individual. Like my son, his poster says artist and musician. Those were things that were, that were dear to him. And so we asked the families to give us two traits or two descriptive words of each loved one. Um, something so positive, something positive. Sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a talent of theirs or a hobby or a position like mother, father, or just a descriptive term like they were compassionate or loving uh -huh. or helpful. Because we want to portray, you know, nowhere on these posters do, does it say addict anywhere. Because they were so much more than that. We want them to be remembered as a full person. Um, that Often that, that personality got hidden by their addiction. Um, so we want to promote that. And, and the, the third um, outcome of our, of our memorial project is it brings a lot of comfort to families um, who come to our, to, to our exhibitions and see their loved one. And we'll often see them taking pictures with the poster or putting flowers there, or mm -hmm. gathering around and talking. And, and it means a lot to the families. And then the fourth factor that we also see is for people that don't have a loved one in sudden shoes, if they come and they walk through these posters, it hits them in the heart. You know, we hear about the numbers and intellectually we can understand like 72,000 people died from overdose in the United States last year. But when you see the faces, it hits you in the heart, it hits you in an emotional way. And when you look at these faces, you can see not what many people's traditional um, idea of what a, a person who is drug addicted looks like. These look like our friends, our families, our neighbors, because that's who they are. And we want to give a message that it happens to good people from good families. Yeah. I mean, my kids grew up in Ellington, Connecticut. Uh, we're very middle class to upper middle class. Um, good community, a lot of supports, a big loving family, um, and yet it happened. My son 
developed an addiction to heroin and died from it. And, you know, like I said, I'm a nurse practitioner. My wife is a pediatric nurse. Like most parents, from day one, we did all we can to try to be good parents. I mean, all parents want to be good parents, but we're very thoughtful in, in our decisions with our kids. And, and uh, though we, we look back now and second guess ourselves, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, maybe, but would it have made a difference? I don't know. But I want people to hear that even if you have a good family, a good loving family in a good community, this is a possible risk. I think one of the things that in, I'll say a few years back that one of the things that I was saying as I was talking to people that people make the assumption that someone who's addicted to heroin is someone, and, and I refer to it and it's, I, I hate to point the, I'm not going to say the blame, but put it on. They are looking at that as that person is the person who's laying on the street in New York City. Yeah. That, that is completely out of it, that is just, that's, they just live for the next fix. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that happens, especially with heroin. Sure. And we know that it happens here, but it doesn't look like that. It yeah. doesn't look like that at all. That's and, not a typical picture any longer. And the, unfortunately also those folks that are dealing heroin, it, they are giving it away because it's such a fast, an easy addiction that the next time around the person's right there and wants to exchange the money. But mm -hmm. it's, it still goes to a lot of people are saying not in our community. No, that's not happening here. And I think it's building that awareness mm -hmm. that it is happening in our community, but also how it looks different. And you've certainly addressed that. It looks different. And I love that the Memorial poster project, because I think that hits home that the bigger, the better. It's like seeing the billboard on, you know, wherever they are out in the world, that it's it's bigger and different as you're looking at someone and saying, wow, that person, they had a family, they had people that loved them. And it's different than that person that might be homeless, might be laying on the street, going day to day, minute by minute. So. Well, like yeah. you have to say, this is not an us and them problem anymore. This is all of us problem. It can happen in every single family. And I challenge people think it doesn't happen in their community. Go on a website for the Connecticut Medical Examiner. You can see a list of every town in Connecticut and just the people that have died, never mind the people that are suffering everywhere. And that's something that being in the job that I'm in, I, I know several people, mm -hmm. I'll say several, it's more than that, but several people that have died from overdoses that have affected their families for the rest of their lives right. because of that incident that happened. So accidental, it wasn't on purpose. It was just, just one more time. And I'll, you know, that's all it's going to be. It's just one more time as they yeah. promised the family. So, yeah. And I, I think how many people that have died that way, just one yeah. lapse, because right now, as you know, there's for people who use opiates, there's a lot of fentanyl now mixed in the system. Yeah. Cause fentanyl, you can make fentanyl in a lab. <laughs> Yeah. No chemistry, you can make fentanyl and it's cheaper than heroin and it's easier to get. And the people who sell it have a much bigger profit margin. So I've seen fentanyl, they found fentanyl in cocaine and methamphetamine and even in tablets that it's a stamp to look like a Xanax tablet that you might get from the pharmacy. So all drugs are deadly. But you know, we talk, we mostly talk about opiates because that's what's killing the most people. But when I talk about addiction, we need to talk about cigarettes as well and vaping and alcohol. 
you know, people tend to not think of alcohol because it's not illegal as an adult, but people die from alcoholism and alcohol-related um, diseases just a lot slower than with opiates. Um, but it's killing just as many, if not more people. And then the people say, you know, addiction doesn't happen. A lot of us have to look at our own families, at least how we use alcohol and yeah. cigarettes. We've, we've done many podcasts over the, the course of the last two years and have definitely done the podcast and have had actually presentations on especially the fentanyl issue because the people that are selling that, they don't care. They want the money. Exactly. They're usually not users themselves. And the people that are buying on the other end really don't know what they're purchasing. They're just purchasing what they're being told. And exactly. that's been the deadly mix. And that's where we're seeing some of the uptick of the overdoses because of that here in our town, as well as surrounding towns for that. But we, we have spent a lot of time on I always said when we know something is happening in another town and other areas, sooner or later it's going to hit our town. And one of our, our big things that had been happening was vaping in the schools. Sure. And, you know, we've been addressing that in the last year. And I think it seems that with the teenagers especially, maybe it seems, although we haven't got all the, the facts and figures yet, seems like that might be lessening right now because they're starting to hear how their bodies are going to be affected by vaping and having COVID. Mm -hmm. the, that's that's the, the bad cocktail right there. So it's, it's always just when you think you get ahead, what's the next thing coming? Exactly. That's, that's what's the next scary. thing coming? And right. trying to keep up to that. And it, we can't always be the alarmist to, like I say, going up and down Main Street, this is what I say, going up on Main, up and down Main Street, chicken little, the sky's falling. We just have to hope that we can, you know, get a few people to understand. And right. I think bringing you here with us is certainly hopeful in that. So please continue. Talk about Today I Matter. Well, if I could just say for a second, just to continue what you just said, Mary, I think it's important that you know, there's, there's always been substance use throughout history. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, opiates, for example, um, come from a, basically from a poppy plant, which has been known to be used on earth for over 2000 years. People would mm -hmm. smoke opium for medicinal purposes, for relaxation, for, for religious rites uh, a thousand years ago. And I think people will always, unfortunately, look for substances at times. Um, but the people who tend to get to trouble with the ones are the ones that usually, not everyone, but the majority have an emotional difficulty under the surface. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we talk about all addictions, even if it's vaping, if we can start with, with when people are young, helping them build up their self-esteem um, yeah. and, and talk about the stigma of, 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 of breaking that barrier when you're having problems with depression or anxiety, or you're feeling lonely or you're feeling scared and you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid you'll be made fun of, or that you're weird, or you're sick, or you're ugly, or whatever. We can make it easier for people to talk about. They're less likely to get into those problems. Mm -hmm. That'll always be around, but maybe we can make a big reduction in it. I, I think that's that's an excellent thing to work on. You know, and we've done with different programming in the school. Try, it worked on that to just build that self-esteem with, with our kids especially, and even with, with the adults, because those adults certainly need something, something in them is, you know, needs to, their self-esteem needs to be right. built up as well. And 
try to engage them in, in different activities that within our town, whether it's volunteering or whatever, to put in touch with some people that have got somebody to talk to or just be with people. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times I think people are, are isolating themselves. And of course, here we are, well, what do we have to do? We have to, we're isolating ourselves. We're in contact with as little people as possible. And I think the concern for all of us is that we're gonna see that other things are going to start increasing because of that. And we yeah. can't even at this point think ahead that far. No, but we're already so, seeing an uptick in people trying to utilize mental health services and addiction services yeah. just since COVID. Right, but that's a good thing that they're looking for help. It's a good thing that they're looking for help. The bad thing is some help is harder to get right now. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's, it's stressing out a lot more people, even though a lot more people looking, I know a lot more people that have relapses as substance use because they've lost their supports um, that they used to have. Yeah. And the stress of maybe being out of work and not having structure in their day, the stress of financial concerns of not being able to support their family has been very hard on people. Definitely, definitely. And I think that, again, that isolation is something that when we're talking about that uh, emotional factor, when we're isolated, or self-isolated, not, mm -hmm. let's just forget about COVID, but self-isolating is a, a lot of the problem of they are, they are using other substances to offset that. True, true. I, one of the things when you were talking about uh, the drug use has been so many decades and way, way older than way far away. I think one of the things I hear all the time is the adults, and we're getting into grandparents now with that are grandparents of teenagers saying, well, I, I smoked that with marijuana. I smoked that when I was a kid. What's the big deal? And I think the big deal that people aren't thinking about is that in this day and age, it's not the same marijuana. It's different. And there's more things put into it that you have no idea what's in it. So true. And that's scary. That's just plain scary because that's where we are seeing so many kids or so many adults that are, are having bad, bad results from using the marijuana. Right. It's, it's so much stronger than ever in history. Yeah. It's a whole different drug than it was 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So I think looking, you know, internally, as I said, you have done something very, very positive by coming up with Today I Matter because of your own personal within your family, that it was the way that you could pay it forward, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that even as, as you and your wife are professionals, that sometimes you have to do, in retrospect, think that you did as much as you could, but it also, I don't want to say the blame because it's not a good word, but the person who's the addict, they've had to somewhere along the line take the responsibility for their life and you can do as much as you can, so. Right, well, you know, one of the difficulties, I mean, we talk about in a lot of our discussions about addiction is a choice versus disease. Yeah. It's actually both. I mean, I think um, any person who starts with a substance, initially it's a, it's a choice for whatever reason, if it's mm -hmm. um, emotional distress, if it's peer pressure, whatever it is, initially it's a choice, yes. Um, and many of us can be very vulnerable at times in our life, especially when emotionally we're very under, under a lot of emotional distress and feeling vulnerable and feeling hopeless and feeling like our options are limited. Sometimes we don't make the best choices. That's true. 
But for many people who become addicted, the choice kind of fades away. I mean, there's always ultimately a choice. But um, especially when we talk about things like uh, opiates, it affects the brain. And especially the frontal lobe of the brain is where your reasoning, your judgment, and your impulse control is, is, is managed from. And opiates affect that, that the function of the frontal lobe of the brain. So if someone's using opiates, you gotta imagine, now they're not thinking clearly. Their impulse control is impaired, their reasoning is impaired, their judgment is impaired. So they make judgments, they do behaviors that make us, we look at them and say, why are they doing that? That makes no sense. Don't they wanna get better? But in that person's mind, it makes sense in a certain way uh, because their judgment is impaired. But also, um, I won't get too technical, but there's, there's a system in our brain called the dopamine system, um, which is stimulated by opiates and it gives us this rush and the euphoria, um, pleasure. Now, the dopamine system is natural in our bodies. It's a survival system. It, it drives our hunger to make sure we eat when we're hungry. It drives procreation. It drives thirst so that we can continue our species. Um, and, and, and it's a kind of a positive feedback mechanism. But when you use opiates, it kind of drives that feedback mechanism and it stimulates the dopamine so it feels good and it makes you want more and more. And um, it, it turns down your body's own dopamine system so you can't make it naturally anymore. So if you don't have the opiate in your system, you go so low that you feel like desperate and hopeless and you're gonna die. And, th and that craving makes you want more. Um, so it's fighting that craving. And I know many people I've talked to in addiction, they wanna get better. They say, but today I can't, I just need, I can't survive today unless I get this last dose. Tomorrow I'm gonna to try hard, tomorrow I'm gonna to do better, but today I can't. And so it's a day-to-day -day kind of life or death struggle for many of these people. And I think we need to help understand that. And I completely agree. That's what, when one of the, the people that I know personally who had uh, passed away from an overdose, that was one of the last things they said. Well, I'm just gonna do it this one last time. Mm -hmm. Had been clean for a long time. I'm just gonna do it this one last time and then I'm gonna give it up. And that last time was the undoing of that person's life. But well, moving forward in, in what you're doing and, and what your your goal is or plan for, uh, you know, looking ahead to how you can, let's say, continue your your service to the communities and and where you want to move forward with that. What's your, what's your goal with that? Well, my goal is to, is to continue to reach out and try to talk to as many people as possible. I'm trying mm -hmm. to get into some schools, though, even in my own town, this is another town in Ellington where people want to think it doesn't happen here. Yeah. And I do get some pushback sometimes. Yeah. Well, we, if we, like if we talk about it, we'll suddenly admit there's a problem. We don't it's want never, to. It's never, it's never an easy conversation. It's, it's yeah. like the drop dead conversation. Nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. So one of our goals is, is to really work hard to try to get, get our message out. Our message of understanding, compassion, and caring for people who struggle and on, on how to kind of look at these problems and maybe prevent them, you know, in your own family. Um, so that's our biggest push. We want to continue doing that. I'm going to continue speaking out. Our, our memorial poster project is growing. Someday we hope to, 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 even though we have people from 37 states, we've only exhibited around New England and mm -hmm. once in Philly. Um, I'd like to get that national. I'd like to bring that to Washington, D.C., the entire project. And, 
and just to make a national statement um, that we need to keep people talking about this problem because so many people don't. You know, we have, we have a vigil each year on August 31st is International Overdose Awareness Day. Mm -hmm. And for the fourth year in a row now, we've had a vigil on the state capitol with our posters. And I'll tell you this quick story. A woman came up to my wife a couple of years ago and was crying that she had lost her son to overdose. But for her first year, she had to tell people, she didn't have to, but she decided to tell people her son died from asthma. Why? Because she was ashamed yeah. that people would judge her and judge her son um, as somehow not deserving of respect. And that hit me so hard. There are people that, that walk around that, that feel like they can't talk openly. You know, that don't, and they don't get the love and support they need. So the more we can talk about this, we want everyone to get comfortable talking about it so that we can look the problem in the face and address it. So we're going to continue that um, through, through Today I Matter, as well as we do local scholarships. Um, we, we've chosen two scholarships we give out each year for $1,000, one for art and one for music. Those are passions of my son, Tim. But there are also things that help people's self-esteem where people can express themselves in ways that help them feel good about themselves. So we want to promote that in our communities as well. So those are the different things that we want to keep on doing. Um, and just to kind of broaden the discussion as you're doing today, which yeah. I really much appreciate, Mary. And I, and I think bringing that, that positive note into it that, and also that reaching out and saying when you're talking about someone who didn't want to admit their family member had a problem or that's why that person had passed away, that they themselves can also reach out to mm -hmm. somebody, reach out to a counselor. If they don't feel they have a friend to talk to, to reach out to counseling and, and try to get into the counseling habit of just looking at inside themselves and being able to get to where they're comfortable, okay. that maybe they can talk about it. Yes, I mean, well, we responded to this woman by saying, you're here amongst us now. We're over 100 people here. All of us have known someone who's died from, mm -hmm. from substance yeah. You're accepted here. You're, you're respected here. You're loved here. Um, but we also, we run some uh, online right now. Because of COVID, we've been doing these online on our Zoom meetings. Um, I work with another group called TriCircle, and I facilitate a support group online for people who have lost someone addiction. So it's for family members. We also have support groups for people who have someone in their family who are actively using. Mm -hmm. um, so we offer those supports too for people to help them find a place yeah. to talk where there's yeah. no judgment and there's understanding and acceptance. Okay. Right. That's great. I think we're, again, we're so focused on COVID. We still have to think about what addictions and what things were happening in our lives before, before COVID right. happened to us. It's just sort of uh, sent all of us into that isolation mode. And the fear is that we're going to co come out of it, which we know we're going to come out of it, but mm -hmm. we're going to come out of it. And there's going to be those that are, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to come out because they've been isolated so long. So, yeah. I mean, it's certainly horrible to hear over 200,000 people have died from COVID. Right. But I, I don't know who's, who's collecting the numbers, if it's possible. The amount of people that are suffering emotionally yes. and financially, but that also yes. has an emotional toll from COVID is probably more than the people that have died. Um, oh, I definitely think so. A, a psychological no. effect. 
I definitely think so. But we're going to, we're going to, I think, wrap up on a positive note with the great things that uh, you're going to be moving forward with, because I think that's such a, a great thing to do to bring out the positive in people as well and, and mm -hmm. continues the message because we have to continue the message and hope that more people will listen to the message right. because that in itself is not easy. People, that's why we're, we used to do uh, different gatherings and less and less people would come. So we made the decision to start doing podcasts because people can listen to the privacy of their home. They can listen wow. where they're moving and trying to get those messages out there of, mm -hmm. you know, different topics and different venues. So I appreciate that uh, you are willing to join us today. And, and we're, I think we're going to leave it at that, that John Lally, thank you so much. And we are going to just wish you well in your endeavor with moving forward with your positive message thank for you, your son, Tim. You know, and I don't know how much time we have here, but I haven't talked about recovery is possible. People recover okay. from substance use disorder all the Perfect. time. So we don't want to paint just a dour picture. You reach out. There's a lot of help out there and people do get better. Very good. Thank you so much. All right. And thank you, Mary. with that, we'll end our conversation for today. All right. Thank you. Take care.